Whitney and Sarah and Evan, thank you for blessing this house in this way. Friends, welcome to our 945 worship service on this, the first Sunday of Lent. Uh, we began on Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, packed house. That means so much. We continue today. Uh, welcome to those of you in the room. Welcome to many more that we know who are joining us online. My name is James Howell. It's my privilege to be one of the pastors here. Uh, as I look around, by the way, uh, quite a number of you who are visiting with us, we are so honored that you have come. We we'll hope you leave on one of the attendance pads, QR codes, hand me something, uh, a text number, email address, something. So we begin a conversation to get to know one another. I would really be grateful for that. But I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Taylor Pride Barefoot. Good morning. It is so good to be in worship with you today. As we start this Lenten journey together, we encourage you to stay connected with the church. Uh, one of the ways that you can stay connected is through a Lenten small group. So we encourage you to find out more information about those meetings, which will be starting tomorrow. Let us continue on with worship and let us join our hearts with God.
Church, let us continue to raise our voices as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, which is found in your hymnal on page 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. our prayer of confession, which we will be praying together through the season of Lent. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, too hidden even to realize, and too deep to undo. Forgive what we hesitate to name, what our hearts can no longer bear. Set us free from a past we cannot change. Open us to a future in which we can be changed, and grant us grace to grow into your likeness through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 2, beginning with the 15th verse. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Now the serpent was more subtle than any other wild creature that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat of any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, 
and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. This is the word of God for the people of God. Adam and Eve, God's first sorrow, God's first sending. Uh, it's uh, Lent. All this week I've been pondering uh, what troubles us. What are the troubles that are in our souls? A friend came by the other day, uh, just uh, very distraught. And she sat down, and her first words to me were, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. My gut reaction was to ask her, what did you do? Fortunately, I just hushed and I listened and it turns out she had not actually done anything. The trouble that she is in is stuff that has happened to her, that has happened around her. And as we talked, I would actually chalk up all of the trouble that has happened to her, not to anybody's individual sin or trouble, but to the trouble that is the culture in which we find ourselves. It had happened to her. I love to say, be part of something bigger. That's part of the church. Be part of something bigger. You already are part of something bigger. Whether you like it or not, if you are anxious, those are probably the people at 8.30 or the ones coming at 11 who feel some anxiety. If you are... <laughs> we have some anxious choir members, I can tell. <laughs> If you are anxious, you know, like it feels like it's just you, but you're anxious because we live in a culture, a culture that breeds and feeds anxiety at every turn. If you have suicidal thoughts, have you tracked this? That feels so personal and inward, but we live in a culture where that's kind of become a thing. You know, why continue living if you self-medicate? There's a book review in this morning's Wall Street Journal, by the way. Uh, that talks about the fruit that Adam and Eve ate. The Bible doesn't originally say it was an apple, so they guessed what fruit was it. More often in Christian history than an apple, they said it was a grape. It's a pretty good guess, right? Because what human beings have done with grapes is a wonderful thing, and it's a terrible thing that causes so much trouble, right? If you self-medicate, or if someone you love self-medicates to excess, it's because we live in a world that has championed that as the way to cope, as the way to have fun, as the way to cement relationships. If you don't feel safe uh, outside, Lisa went for a walk last night, and when she didn't come back as quickly as I thought, I got very, very anxious. We, we live in a world that's not safe. We live in a world where we, we worry about guns, and we worry about guns because when we talk about guns, we talk about the individual rights, but, but then as a society, everybody's nervous out there. It's the world that we've created. If race is a problem, if police incidents are a problem, if gridlock in Washington is a problem, we, we tend that, what is that? It's, we are corporately responsible for all of those things that happen, the culture. Even the culture that we applaud, uh, I've said this to you before, the church has always warned us about the seven deadly sins. You know, pride, gluttony, sloth, lust, 
envy, all of those things. That's the good life in America. That's what everybody's after. But the church has warned us, this will be the undoing of your soul. It will be toxic in ways that you cannot even realize. Our trouble is the culture. Our culture is like a vulture that in a sneaky way eats away at us. If you have abandoned hope, or if you know someone who has abandoned hope, because we live in a culture that has no hope. It's the air that we breathe. If you are in a marriage that is flailing, live in a world that doesn't know how to be married and struggles so, you're not alone. If you have a grown child that does not go to church, people come to me all the time, they say, my grown child does not go to church. What did I do wrong? What you did wrong is you lived in a culture where church increasingly was optional, church increasingly was a matter of entertainment. And a lot of young people, we're so fortunate, we have so many young adults who do come here, but as a society, it's just a thing that they get swept up in. My child uses drugs. It's a thing in the society, you just get caught in the undertow and pulled out. Adam and Eve, you know, what would Neil deGrasse Tyson or Bill Nye the science guy say about Adam and Eve? I think we could concur with them. That these aren't really real people, that what they represent is, is, is when humanity in, in, in is coming, the first hominids stood upright, like that hadn't happened before. They began to stand upright and they began to use tools and they began to develop language. That's like the beginning of their being people. From the beginning of their being people, they, they, they looked up, they bowed their heads. They had, we know this from archeology span and anthropology, from the very beginning, they had a spirituality about them and at the same time, they had that ability to harm one another. They had that ability to get turned inward and not, not be holy, not be good. The doctrine of original sin, uh, people quiz me about this a lot. They don't like that idea that Adam and Eve sinned and it got passed along generation to generation. You might want to not just recoil against it, but rethink it. Mark Twain very famously said, I don't know why Adam and Eve get so much credit. I could have done just as well as they did. <laughs> Which is a funny line. Lancelot Duloc in Camelot. Should have had Evan sing it this morning. He shows up at Arthur's round table, so cocky. And when he sings, he says, had I been made the partner of Eve, we'd be in Eden still. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he's in bed with Guinevere just a few minutes later. And if you see a billboard that advertises Adam and Eve, they are not inviting you to a Bible study. It's just a thing. <laughs> Original sin, we all do as Adam and Eve did. You can't help it. It's the air that we breathe. Try not to be materialistic. You won't make it till 2 o'clock this afternoon. It is God's sorrow that the first hominids and all of us, we all break God's heart. God's sorrow would culminate in Jesus weeping and Jesus crying out on the cross and in Jesus sending his disciples. I've been trying to think of God banishing Adam and Eve from the garden. I guess I grew up thinking God was really angry at them and God banished them. But maybe God's tone of voice was sad and plaintive. And God, after all, had said, I, I, I give you dominion. I want you to take care of the garden. Maybe God is sending them out into the world 
to make a difference. You see, individual responsibility, that's a great thing uh, when people take it. We live in a fallen world, though, and part of our sin is our inability to think corporately. Part of our sin is we only think individually when it comes to God. We're not able to think corporately. We don't mind being, we don't mind corporate thinking when we're the beneficiaries, do we? For instance, you, know, you enjoy the freedom of the United States of America. I didn't win it, I haven't preserved it, but boy, I sure enjoy being a free person in the United States of America. If the Charlotte economy is booming and your business is doing great, you don't mind being the beneficiary of that rising tide of the economy that is out there. When family members die and you inherit some money or their treasures, you don't really mind. Some of you, as I look around, you have inherited some really lovely genes and it makes you good looking. And you don't mind that at all. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said, Adam and Eve's sin is that they fail to take responsibility. You know, uh, the, the fruit, God says, what, 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 what did you do? And Eve said, uh, Adam says, well, he, Eve gave me. And Eve says, well, it was the serve. They, they don't take corporate responsibility. Uh, they don't take corporate responsibility. We live in a world, that world that is broken and that is toxic for all of us. We live in a world that all of the trouble that we hear about in the news and that we see in our lives, can you hear that as the world crying out, just give me Jesus. Maybe that's what the world is really crying out for in all the bad news and all of the horrors. Now, uh, earlier I touched on some things that we would think of as political issues. I, I spoke about guns. I talked about the police. I talked about public safety. And, and sometimes, <laughs> you know, I'm reading a great book by Peter Story. Uh, Peter Story was a, a white pastor. He still is. He hasn't died in South Africa. He led a big chunk of the fight against apartheid. And when he was working against apartheid, he got a lot of criticism for, you're being political in church. You shouldn't be political in church. He was trying to dismantle apartheid. I'm sorry. It was clearly like God's agenda. One of the things that he wrote is uh, in response to people saying, you're too political. You're not spiritual enough. He wrote this, being spiritual is to illuminate everyday reality with the mind of Christ, to allow our humanness to be touched by Christ's divinity. Let me read that again. To be spiritual is to illuminate everyday reality with the mind of Christ and to allow our humanness to be touched by Christ's divinity. Friends, this is the season of Lent. It's the time for us to pray and it is time for us to engage and to be sent. Two stories from the life of Mother Teresa. The first one seems impossible, but they have documentary evidence. This actually happened in 1983. There was a terrible, terrible war going on in Lebanon. Mother Teresa took some of her sisters to Beirut. At the entrance of the city, she was told, you can't come in. She said, why? They said, the fighting is too intense. She said, when can we come in? We don't mind the risk. And the guard said, you can only come in after there's a ceasefire. Mother Teresa said, my sisters and I will pray all night for a ceasefire. The guard laughed, and the next morning, to everyone's surprise, there was a ceasefire. And Mother Teresa and her sisters went in and began to heal up wounds. The other story is Mother Teresa was invited to be on a panel, part of a discussion on world hunger in Bombay. Uh, she typically arrived late. 
The doors were closed. The conference had already begun. She was supposed to go in and take her place at the, at the podium, but, th but as she was climbing the steps of the building there in Bombay, she noticed to the side that, that there, was, there was somebody splayed out on the steps. She went over and discovered that this person was hungry, so she actually never went into the conference to speak. She stopped and tended to this man and saw that he got care and food. Some criticized her for that. We're talking about world hunger, she said. I know it's just a drop in the ocean, but what is the ocean but one drop and another drop and another drop? Friends, we're called to pray, we're called to engage. We don't want Charlotte to be the next Memphis, the next Minneapolis. You ever notice that on the news, by the way? When something like this happens, people are always saying, I never thought this would happen here. And I just laugh out loud. Why did you think this would not happen here? Why do you think your world is so sheltered that it could not happen in our lovely community? It can happen anywhere because this is the world in which we live. We pray and we engage. We hope that our church becomes a place where people learn about the Holy Spirit and it begins to take hold and enliven them because the Holy Spirit, after all, an older friend said this to me years ago, the Holy Spirit often for us is able to fulfill the role to, for which we turn to alcohol, right? We turn to alcohol to, to make a bad day better, to celebrate a good day, to cement relationships, whatever. Actually, the Holy Spirit can do that. We can be God's people. We're building a new building. It's fabulous. It's going to be wonderful. I hope that that building is a place of prayer, not just for the people in there, but for the wounds, the sorrows of our world, and it will be a base of action as we go out into the world. Adam and Eve stumble at a tree. They didn't really know what to do with the wood there. Jesus knew what to do with wood. He could build a house. He could build a table. Years ago, when I was pastor up in Davidson, I had an associate there at the time named Andy, and Andy said, um, I've proclaimed a meeting. I'm inviting all the community leaders of the town of Davidson to come together. I hope you'll come. I said, what is the topic? He said, I'm not telling till you come. This made me exceedingly nervous. And so I came, and Andy welcomed everyone. And then he said, uh, what I want us to do is see if we can't uh, get rid of poverty in the town of Davidson. At first, people in the room chuckled. Then they looked around at who was at the table and they started saying, we could do this. We could do this. We come to our Lord's table today. There's personal healing and forgiveness and mercy in it, but it's also the time that we gather at our Lord's table and say, what could we do? And it is still three more days, Black History Month. So we must remember Martin Luther King said his dream, it's not his dream, it's God's dream, it's our dream, is that one day at this table, at the table of brotherhood, little black boys and girls and little white boys and girls will join hands at the table of fellowship, change the world. Friends, God has so much sorrow and we are afflicted by so much that sorrow is the heart of God. So God asks us to pray and to engage and to dream of what we really could do. Thanks be to God.
Let us prepare our hearts for prayer. O oh God, our Creator, your love is as fresh as the new day, rising like the sun to greet and to guide us. In Jesus Christ, you walk with us to challenge and encourage us, revealing our weaknesses, yet offering us grace, hope, and forgiveness. In this time of morning worship, empower us to be open to the new possibilities you create for the world which you love. Lord, in your mercy, God of all life and each life, we offer you thanks for all the ways we meet you in our daily lives, in words of encouragement, an insight into truth, or an opportunity to serve. We thank you for a breath of calm in the midst of stress when we need it. We thank you for a sense of accomplishment that our work matters. We thank you for your love that renews us. Lord, in your mercy. O God of gratitude, your love reminds us of the needs in this world. And so in times of silence, we pray for people and places of suffering in the news this week. For leaders facing difficult decisions in a complex world. For your church and congregations facing new challenges and opportunities for mission. For our family, friends, and neighbors, especially those who are sick, hungry, or grieve. We especially remember the family of Carl Walker in their time of grief and loss. Lord, in your mercy, thank you for your grace that embraces all for whom we pray, O oh God. In the week ahead, help us to notice your hands at work in our lives and in our troubled world. We offer our prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. It is your tithes and offerings that make the mission of this church possible in advance of your giving. Thank you for your gifts.
Lord God, we offer our gifts in thanksgiving for all the goodness you provide. Bless these gifts in our lives so that we become a source of goodness for others. In the name of Christ, our strength and our hope. Amen. Friends, God asks us not just to be like Jesus, but actually to be Jesus, to be the hands and feet and compassionate eyes and presence of Jesus out in the world. We come to Holy Communion. All are welcome at our Lord's table. Uh, when I say that, I mean all are welcome. There's a question tucked inside there for all of us always to be asking ourselves, who might not feel welcome here? And what might we do about that? Because at our Lord's table, all are welcome. We invite you to come. We'll join in prayers of consecration. We'll have the sung responses. If you don't know them, they're on page 17 of your hymnal. Our choir and Evan will lead us. Uh, after the leaders receive, you're invited to come forward. The ushers will guide you. You can receive standing. Somebody will hand you a piece of bread. You dip it gently into the cup, return to your seat by way of the outside aisle. You can receive kneeling if you would like. We have... Um, gluten-free and COVID-friendly packets, if that would be your preference as well, because all are welcome, of course. So friends, let us join together now in our great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. is your son Jesus Christ on the night in which he gave himself up for us the Lord Jesus took bread and after giving you thanks he broke the bread he gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and when the supper was over he took the cup 
Again, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ, offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory are yours, almighty Father, now and forever. And now with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.
Friends, let us join together now in the prayer after communion, which you will find printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen.
asked me to show you a board. I thought they meant a little board. <laughs> uh, but it's a board. This is a board that will go into one of our habitat houses. If you do not track this, we are building a neighborhood of 39 homes out near the airport. That's not a drop in the ocean, that's a big splash. Uh, we have sign-ups in the uh, gathering space of our Parish Life Building where you can sign up to work. You can donate to our Hope is Here campaign. A lot of that money is going to build affordable housing for people that really need it. This will change the face of the city of Charlotte. We're praying over these boards. You can write something on these boards. You can write your name, a Bible verse, a prayer. You cannot write, Go Carolina. But other sentiments are welcome. <laughs> Friends, it's been good to be together in the house of God this day. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us, both now and forevermore.